All right, welcome to the Thursday edition of Locked On Longhorns podcast right here in the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the show's Twitter account, Locked On Longhorns, L-O underscore Longhorns. Follow me at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cammy at Cammy and G. Cammy, we are finally back after two days of technical difficulties of trying to record a podcast. So let's uh, actually talk about some Longhorns today. What do you say? Let's do it. And I totally didn't even realize it was Thursday until you just mentioned that in, t- in the introduction. So thank you for that. Someone on Twitter told me that days do not exist during quarantine. They really don't. And I thought, honestly, I would be bored and not doing anything, but I kind of feel like I'm moving in a million different directions, as you probably tell. I'm either doing yard work or work is really busy and slammed or I'm having Wi-Fi issues like we have the past couple of days because I guess um, the local Wi-Fi networks aren't used to this many people trying to work from home and access the network. So it's definitely been frustrating to deal with, but um, hopefully it'll all be over with soon. Hopefully. And it was kind of funny because I asked somebody on Twitter this morning, I said, hey, is it too early to have a beer? Because I was getting frustrated. (laughs) And that's what somebody said. Days do not exist and time does not exist in the quarantine. Yeah, it's never never a bad time for a beer. Okay, well, let's get into some topics that are actually sports related because I feel like we all need a break from isolation. We need a break from Los living room. (laughs) I I did. I tweeted that out. The uh, I can't wait. It said, what did it say? It said, um, I hope the weather allows me to take a trip to what was it puerta backyarda yeah because i'm tired of los living room that's true i am tired of los living room okay so first topic i want to talk about connor williams now connor williams is coming off of an acl tear and jerry jones and the cowboys media have said that he is right on track to start the beginning of the season However, there's now been a kink thrown in this in that Travis Frederick has suddenly retired. So now, do you think Connor Williams should have a shot at playing center? One of the things that Jerry Jones said after they drafted him a couple seasons ago was that he could play all five positions on the offensive line. Do you think that he should get a shot there at center, or do you think you prefer him playing left guard? Well, I think he I think he definitely does provide that position flexibility, but I'm not 100% sold on the fact that he will play center just because I think it should be an interesting battle in camp if they're able to have one at this rate. But I mean, they have solid depth in Connor McGovern, Joe Looney, Connor Williams. But the thing I do take away, um, I guess, with the Travis Frederick retirement is that obviously if Williams can remain healthy going forward, um, his stock just shot up. He's going to receive a ton of playing time in the future um, at any of those five positions that you mentioned. But I do think it's a major, major, major loss that Travis Frederick retired. I mean, just what he brought both on and off the field uh, to the NFL as a whole, and especially the Dallas Cowboys, uh, can't be replaced. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity. Like you said, Connor can play a multitude of spots, but if Dallas is looking for a center, I know of a guy named Zach Shackelford that they could possibly get. And it's, Ooh, kind yeah. of, it's kind of funny because the Pro Football Network mock draft that we discussed earlier this week mocked him to the Dallas Cowboys. We actually discussed that the day before Travis Frederick retired. So we must have saw a sign of some sort. 
That's what I'm, I'm wondering if the uh, writer at PFN knew something we didn't when they put that mock draft together. Probably not. Probably not. Probably just trying to figure out where everybody fits. But if Dallas is needing some depth there, I know they have Joe Looney, but you never have too many bo- bodies in camp as they try to battle. So I would say Zach Sackleford would be a good option there. But if I had to make a pick right now, I think your starting left guard for the Dallas Cowboys in 2020, provided they play football, is Connor Williams. Right. And if I had to put any money on who would play center, I'm leaning McGovern at the moment. Yeah, probably. He played, he had 14 starts in 2017 at center for Penn State. So that could be the way they go. Okay, so let's get it back on Longhorns-related topics here. USA Today Sports came out with their top 25 teams, preseason picks. And, Cammy, what do you know? The Texas Longhorns were among the top 25 once again. They were. USA Today Sports actually listed them at number 15. Um, The primary reason for them being that – I guess they have uncertainty around head coach Tom Herman and his newly assembled coaching staff. That's really the only um, reasoning they gave in their short paragraph regarding why they fell at number 15. If I personally was going to rank them right now on the preseason poll, I'd probably put them around the 12 range. I'd feel comfortable even the 10 to 12 range. I'd feel comfortable putting them. I think number 15 is a safe spot because last season, obviously they underwhelmed um, amidst high expectations. So I think there's no shortage of talent on the roster right now. There just needs to be more consistency. So um, I was interested in this particular list because they actually put Oregon ahead of Alabama. They put Oregon at number four and Alabama at number five. But other than that, I don't think there were too many surprises. Uh, Maybe perhaps that they had Texas A&M and Iowa ahead of Texas. But um, other than that, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, the thing about – yeah, I'm not a big fan of Aggie being in front of the Longhorns uh, just because I don't see it with them. But, you know, as far as going back to your point about the talent-wise, talent has never been a problem for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, having a prestigious university like Texas, they can get pretty much top recruits at every position. They're not going to be the Alabama Crimson Tide in that they're going to have five stars at every position. But getting top-tier talent has never been a problem for the Longhorns. Their problem has been figuring out a system, a product that they can put together and get on the field and get the results. The results has always been the problem. So I kind of feel like it's it's definitely worth noting, and I think that they're right on, on par there with questioning Tom Herman, the new staff. There's going to be a lot of things, but none of it, can be answered until we actually see them on the field or in practice. So yeah, it, it, and I, I think um, just to add to that point, I think it's also a player development issue. Uh, and obviously that deals with the coaching staff. So hopefully that improves this season. But I think even though they're projected as a top 20 team, it's realistic to believe that they can finish uh, the 2020 season within the top 10. Cause I mean, they've proved that they can uh, compete alongside teams like LSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, who are all ranked ahead of Texas in pretty much every poll. Um, and obviously you have senior quarterback Sam Ellinger leading the offense. You have Sam Cosme coming back at left tackle. You have three explosive running backs in the backfield. Um, hopefully defensive coordinator Chris Ash's new scheme uh, drastically improves the pass rush, which has been lacking several seasons ago. So um, 
I don't know. I, I realistically, for some reason, believe they will finish this 2020 season within the top 10. It seems like the consensus upon, if you looked at the NCAA top 25 that we posted on Longhorns Wire, the USA Today Sports, ESPN preseason polls, they all have Texas within the top 25. So I would think the consensus is that the expectation level for Texas is that they will be a top 25 whenever we officially get football going this year. I agree. And they, they're pretty much all falling around the number 15 range right now. But um, I do think that's a safe bet, and that's probably why they fell there. So probably we'll see. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to get into some NCAA impact due to coronavirus. Could Big 12 be delaying the football season? And is there a possibility of games with no fans in the stands? That coming up next. All right, Cammie. So as we teased uh, before the first break, NCAA impact on revenue due to the coronavirus. And I don't think this comes as a shock because we all know that the NCAA makes probably 80% of their money off of March Madness and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge shock, but I mean, when you see the numbers, you're, it's still jaw-dropping. Just I, I know the numbers that they recently released for the NCAA, for example. Um, they're facing decreases of $475 million in revenues and $380 million in expenses, and that's just for this fiscal year. And if you need, I guess, to put it in perspective, that's a 42% decline in revenue just this year. I mean, that's ginormous. And obviously it's not just the NCAA businesses and corporations worldwide are experiencing those issues right now. But when you see the numbers, that's just unbelievable. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of expected because we know when it comes to football, NCAA doesn't really make much money off of that at all. Um, You know, everything is involved around the basketball and baseball. So that's, you know, not a shock to me at all. It's just, but I guess the sheer number, when you look at the numbers, you know, not as far as, you know, a 42% drop or, or decline, but when you just see the raw numbers of 475 million, plus what do you say, another 300 and 80 million in expenses, 80 yeah. million in expenses. Yeah, that's huge. And, and they're not bringing in the money from the tournament. They're not getting all their deals that they have. Advertisement, oh. sponsors. Yeah, just so much goes into it. Ticket sales. Massive. And and so hopefully this gets resolved soon. I'm hoping that it does. But if it doesn't, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesley came out today and said that they will be monitoring the situation for the next 60 to 90 days to determine if they will delay football season. Cami, people in the South cannot be happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm definitely not either. They live and die by uh football here both high school football college football and professional level but i'm conflicted on this like we always say it's a fluid situation so no one really has any idea right now so i think anything that's kind of released within the next couple of weeks is just a mere guesstimate but i do hope and believe that things will go back to normal i guess towards the end of april beginning of may so i'm hoping that if they do delay part of the football season which they most likely will just because they haven't obviously at that point been able to go through any spring practices or anything like that. So I think you have to put that into the situation as well. Um, You can't just straight up go into the games, for example. So I do think even if it's delayed, that's still promising as long as the season does not get canceled. 
Yeah, I think you have to play it by ear, yes. And obviously a delay would would stink to put it any other way. Um, you know, especially for people like us who who not only are huge fans of college football, but who cover college football. You know, and it's like everything that's going on right now with no sports, it just almost feels like a huge part of our lives has just been ripped away from us. You know, to the point where you're trying to fill that hole with that void with housework, yard work, cleaning out your garage, you know, whatever you can do to kind of keep your mind occupied. And, you know, in sports is such a a moment where you can get away from real life problems. You know, you forget about that. You dive into football, you get excited. Plus, you know, that's where a lot of people get their social uh, social time, you know, with other fans and watching the game. So I'm really hoping that it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, there's a delay. But there's also an opportunity here. Uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted out that they are considering having games without fans in the stands. Can you imagine a football game at Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium with not a mm-hmm. single person in the stands? No, I really can't imagine that. And I know we discussed that, obviously, with the NCAA tournament at the time when that was an option. But I think if that happens to college football, that, I mean, that escalates things substantially, in my opinion, like more than I thought the NCAA, it would impact the NCAA tournament. But I think by that point, because what are we looking at, September, October, November area, I think by that point, fans will be, I think football one will be going on. I think two, that fans will be able to, join but i don't believe maybe that they'll fill the stadiums maybe they're going to have some type of a limit to attendance or something along that those lines i think there's a lot of creativity that can go into this i think um at worst it would just be a limit of attendance rather than no fans at all it's hard to fathom football in the south especially with no fans and you know there's so much while there's so much to it that they do love playing the game of football. I mean, a lot of people do it, but you know, fans bring so much to a game, you know, whether it's getting loud when your team's on defense, so it makes it harder for the opposing quarterback to hear what his coach is saying, or, you know, there's so many th- times where, you know, it, it gives you an adrenaline rush. And I just think overall it'll affect the game. It'll impact it definitely. And I'm really hoping that that's not the case. I really hope that there is some resolution here. If people would just do us all a solid, stay home. Do not be out if you don't have to. Practice social distancing because that is the only way that I feel like it seems like everybody's saying that's the only way that this thing is really going to get solved in terms of stopping, not really stopping the spread, but slowing it is that people will just stay home and we can get back to our regular day lives, our regular football, our sports, and we can stop being so isolated, but people got to stay home to do it. I agree. So quit going all over the place, Patrick. I don't. I stand <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I stay in the house. I'm, if I do go outside, it's to go outside. That's You're it. glued to your computer. It's okay. Uh, for the most part, I am uh, recording so many podcasts, writing, editing. Yeah, I'm doing a lot. All right, so coming up next, we're going to get into a little football debate, and we have a Twitter question about Shaka Smart. All right, Cammy. so we got a Twitter question here. What should the expectations be for Shaka Smart, assuming Texas lands Greg Brown? And honestly, I don't 
think that whether he lands Greg Brown or not, I think his expectation levels should be the same. I was going to say the exact same thing. I think his job's on the line. I think he kind of slid under the radar the end of this past season due to the outbreak of the coronavirus and canceling the rest of the Big 12 tournament. Um, They kind of really needed to win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament and receive that at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, I think, for him to be deserving of having his job saved. But obviously that wasn't able to happen. So I think they do have to give him one more year, but – um, he has to perform whether he lands these big recruits or not. So I think this is kind of him on the hot seat this season. Yeah, I think it very much is him on the hot seat this year. And whether or not he lands Brown, it's really not going to help him too much because Brown is a one and done. He's made that very clear. So it's not like you can sit there and say, OK, then, um, you know, whether he lands him or not, he needs to win regardless, because if you really look at it, since he took over, the last time that they have had any success was Rick Barnes, and that is too far to go in between having any success in the NCAA tournament for a school like Texas. Right. I think he needs to probably um, either – I don't know. It's hard because they obviously had that solid uh, five-game winning streak at the end of the season. But, um, yeah, I would say he has to not only uh, – make the NCAA tournament, I think he needs to win a couple games in there to probably save his job. Mm, yeah, very true. Okay, so let's let's switch over. If you follow at Doc underscore Texas, he, he tweets out a lot of Texas-related information. He's one of my favorite follows. He literally will just think of the most random Texas history or information or have all these lists drawn up all of a sudden. So he's great to follow if you do not follow him already. Absolutely. And – so one of his tweets he has here is the best Texas quarterback since 2000. Uh, number one was Vince Young. Two is Colt. Three, Sam. Four, Major. Five, Sims. Six, Case. Seven, Chance. Ash, Bouchelle, Swoops, Gilbert, Hurd, and Sneed. Let's debate. So, Cammy, let's debate. Who is your number five quarterback on the list? Oh, you're going straight up for the tough one. So I obviously believe with the first three, Vince Young, Colt, and Sam Ellinger. And I think that just speaks volumes of what Sam Ellinger has been doing. Um, His numbers obviously speak for themselves. They're just missing that Big 12 championship and um, college football playoff berth. But, um, ooh, so I like Major at four, Sims. I'd probably keep them there. I think I would start – I would keep Sims at five. I think where I would start the switch up is probably six – uh, through nine because I I think it's tough with Case McCoy because although he had a few big wins he really didn't do much at Texas. Um, I think Bouchelle was a better overall quarterback but he was Hold actually on. lacking those big wins. I'm out. So I'm out, Cammy. <laughs> you don't like um, Sims? Oh no! Well, first of all, no, I don't like Sims. I didn't like Sims. I don't like him now. But my don't. my argument here is with Case. You think he's too high? Yes. I don't. I think he should be number five over Sims. I do. I think, well, it depends how you look at it, because I think as an overall quarterback, I think Bouchelle and Ash were both better than Case McCoy, but Case, Case McCoy, McCoy had the bigger wins. Case McCoy beat A&M in their last game. Yeah, um, but, yeah. They were both very okay. underwhelming. All right, so here's um, my list. Here's my mm-hmm. list. Case at five. Okay. Major at four. Mm-hmm. Colt at three, Vince Young at two, my number one quarterback, 
for the University of Texas is Chance Mock. You're kidding. And also, you didn't have Sam in your top three. That's how I know you were kidding. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, I, I I had to throw a Chance Mock one in there. Uh, yeah, B.Y., Colt, Sam, Major. I don't think you can put a list together and not have Major Applewhite in the top five. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I think it's splitting hairs on number five, honestly. Yeah. Whether, whether you – I mean, I have a hard time disagreeing with, with David here. Uh, so let's let's do this. How about how about let's bring up your top five college quarterbacks of all time? Uh, that's that's too hard to be put on the spot with that. Tim Tebow has to be up there. I think Joe Burrow's recent uh, last season has to be up there. Vince Young has to be up there. Um, ooh, I don't want to say Johnny Manziel or Baker Mayfield. I don't know. How would you round out that list? I know it has to be Vince Young um, and Tim Tebow. I I think, yeah, Vince Young, Tim Tebow got to be your top two, whether you have Tebow over him because he has more national championships or not. It doesn't matter. The fact is they won. Uh, Mike Vick, definitely up there. Yep, he's definitely up there in the top five. Now, we're talking about Doc Allen. David Allen's tweet, Doc Texas, he he tweeted his list out, and this was B.Y., Tim Tebow, Tommy Frazier, Mike Vick, and Joe Burrow. I have a problem with putting Joe Burrow in top five, considering he had only one season. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was one of yeah. the best seasons of a Exactly. That's why it's hard. Time. But I have – I don't know. I have, a, I have a hard time leaving out one of the top two all-time winningest quarterbacks in college football history off this list in Colt McCoy. Right. And like I always say, it depends how you look at it, because Colt holds pretty much every quarterback record at Texas right now. He just doesn't have that national championship that Vince Young did. And it's tricky because a lot of people put Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield and things like that ahead of Colt McCoy, which I don't agree with because we were you and I, Patrick, were actually just discussing this earlier that how do people put Baker Mayfield ahead of Colt McCoy because Colt McCoy at least played for the national championship and led his team there. Baker hasn't. So I don't know. But Baker did lead his team to the playoff. They just didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. But Colt actually played in the national championship game, which I don't want to mention because he should have finished that game. He got hurt and Gary Gilbert Mm. had to come in, but he led his team there and played for a national championship. And I know that's kind of the measuring stick that people go by as a national championship. And obviously that's kind of how uh, we view Vince Young. And um, obviously he had a scrambling ability and things like that too, but Colt did as well. And so I think Colt has to be in consideration. If you consider Johnny Manziel and the Baker Mayfields and things like that, Colt McCoy has to be up there. And you could even go as far as saying uh, Kellen Moore. I mean, I know he never competed at the high level, but you have to admit winning 50 games as a college quarterback is pretty pretty impressive, no matter who you're playing. Exactly. And was he, was he left-handed? Am I thinking that yes. correctly? Yeah. 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 He's he's kind of a shorter quarterback and left-handed. So, yeah, I mean, that was impressive but, to win that many games. But Yeah, so I would have to say B.Y. So Vince is my number one, Tebow be number two. And I say that. Well, yes, Tebow had more championships, but Vince took over games. Like, absolutely. Oh, for sure. Took over. So Vince and him and and probably Michael Vick third, just because he was so hard to to deal with. And then I think you could toss it up the last two. Uh, I think Colt's up there. I'd probably put Colt at four. 
you know, another quarterback that's not really talked about in here is Eric Crouch. He was a really good college quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't, you know, he moved over to wide receiver when he went to the NFL, but you know, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a tough top five, man. I really don't know. Yeah. I like where people keep it to kind of the decade or something like that. It's much easier to narrow down in that sense, but of all time. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of great college quarterbacks actually. Yeah. It, it's tough. I mean, cause if you want to, you know, bring up other like decades where it's like, where do you put David Klinger? Uh, where do you put Doug Flutie? I mean, there are so many. I, I do have a question though, that I just thought of when you were talking. So you mentioned how Vince Young like took over games, just single-handedly took over them. Do you think Sam could, or do you believe he does take over games like that right now? And if he did win a national championship, his senior season, would he be considered one of the top college quarterbacks? I think he'd be in the discussion. Um, definitely does because his running ability, his physical, the way that he runs with the football um, in, you know, it's the thing with him that I think is underrated is how he shows up in big games. Exactly. And that like, that's one thing that you cannot put together as far as you cannot rank it. And like just the, there's no algorithm that can measure it. Like when it comes to the lights bring at the brightest, Sam Ellinger shows up. Right. And you he has, see that he, every yeah, year. He, he has that weird, like competitive drive that he just has an it factor that we talk about that is very, very, very rare to see in a player. But he also has the leadership ability. He's super, super physically tough. So I think he can and literally single handedly does take over games himself. But um, all he's missing, and he, like we've mentioned before, too, is that he's already surpassed Vince Young in several of his uh, career or collegiate records at Texas. So he's kind of only trailing Colt McCoy at this point. I don't think he's going to reach a few of Colt McCoy's records, uh, just the way things have been going up to this point with only one season left. But I think if he does win a national championship, he has to be considered. Yeah, and he came close to Colt's single season records last year. So hopefully a senior year will help him out with that. That's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NFL Draft. For Cami, I'm Patrick, and we will see you tomorrow. Hook them. Your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.